Hey, everyone. ESG Energized is honored to be sponsored by our good friends at mCloud, whose mission is to help our industry unlock the untapped potential of energy assets. mCloud's AI and analytics power solutions maximize production, automate operations, predict maintenance outcomes, and allow energy companies to do more with less. And as the oil and gas industry responds to the Inflation Reduction Act, mCloud is helping companies automate and streamline the measurement, tracking, and correction of methane emissions. So check out mcloudcorp.com for some tips on how you can simplify your methane emission programs today. Welcome to ESG Energized, where we discuss the latest developments in the environmental, social, and governance arena that are impacting the energy industry today. Here are your hosts, Delfina Govia. My name is Delfina Govia, and many of you know me as a partner at Veritas Total Solutions an innovative management consulting firm where I lead the ESG practice alongside my ETRM colleagues. This podcast is an introduction to the ESG Energized series, where we're going to answer the question, what is ESG? And to help me do that, I'm joined by Paige Wilson, whom you will recognize as the host of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders podcast and co-host of the Oil and Gas This Week podcast. Paige Wilson, thank you so very much for being with me here today. Hey, Delphina. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited about the new launch. Thank you. Yeah. And so are you going to help me explain to these people what it is that we're trying to accomplish? Um, well, I, I actually would like to know, because I don't know that much about ESG myself, I think whenever I was still working for an operator, that wasn't something that existed yet. So I'm curious to know. I know what it stands for, and that's about it. Ah, so what we should start with then, just before I tell you what ESG stands for, uh -huh. I'm going to tell you what our mission is. Okay. Our mission is exactly what we're starting with here today, to educate people on what exactly ESG is. Well, so, that's why it's that's why it fits here in the ODGN family. There you go. Education. Education. So educate, three E's. Educate, engage, and energize. I want to engage people in this conversation. I want to engage them across organizations. I want to engage them across industries. And I want to get people energized about this topic. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. That's what I'm here for. Awesome. So what is ESG? Um Everybody knows there's E is environmental, S is social, and G is governance. And let me explain those just a little bit more. The environmental criteria mm -hmm. considers how companies perform as stewards of nature. Okay. So waste reduction, wa no pollution, yeah. resource depletion. Greenhouse gas emissions and how we are managing climate change. Right. Social is about how an organization manages its relationships with employees, suppliers, customers, and the communities within which it operates. Interesting. Okay. So you can't just be worried about what's going on inside your own four walls. 
which is where you are good guardians of your employees, but outside your walls as well to the impact that you're having on the community. Okay. And then governance, it deals with a company's leadership, Mm. how they're paid, how they're audited, internal controls, and shareholder rights. Okay. So what are those shareholders interested in? Okay. And not just shareholders, but we now have to think about stakeholders in general. Okay. So organizations normally are 100% concerned about their shareholders, but ESG opens up the topic so that stakeholders, which are which is the global community at large, being very interested in what's going on with that company. Right. Right. And so I heard a lot about this and why why is that why is this so important now? Like I said, I didn't it didn't exist when I was working in in the actual for an actual operator. So why is that important now? So it's always been important, right, Paige? So think about, think back when you were working for an operator. We just have never really spoken about it in these languages. And that is one of the reasons why I've been so interested and passionate about this topic and why we at OGGN are launching this podcast is because we inside of the oil industry have always been stewards of the environment. We have always gone into communities where we extract oil and given back and develop social programs so that especially when we walk into third world nations, Mm -hmm. that we are creating some positive results for the people that live and work in that community. And so this idea that it's new is, yeah, it's new on the minds and on the mouths of people out there, but think about HSE, yeah. health, safety, and environment, right? We just didn't know to call it ESG, yeah. but we've okay. always been dedicated to it, and we get beaten up in the world, in the marketplace, yeah. because we don't have public relations departments that are putting all of this nice, feel-good, happy stuff about our companies out there. Yeah. And and so we're we're the big bad oil companies. We're yeah. the ones that are dirtying up the planet and causing climate change. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but but to, you do make a good point. Why is the why is ESG all of a sudden on everybody's lips? Why are we actually talking about it? At Does it have a lot to do with the fact that we've been really crappy about defending our industry? Oh yes. Because, you know, public, the way the public, you know, sees us is, you know, just like you said, big, big, bad oil company. Right. And think, let's think about why that is. Because 77% of the EBIT in the hydrocarbon value chain is an upstream, Mm. right? Yeah. And so since that's where, where our profits come from. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, if you if you average that out with the different cycles, because we all know that downstream makes more money when the price of oil is down. But still, when you average it out over time, the majority of the money is made in upstream. We produce a commodity. So we don't have these marketing departments that are well-versed in making us look like 
this really fun, happy, you know, uh, a, a box with a smile on it yeah. for the for the world to to know and and see us as being something that is uh, maybe putting lipstick on a pig, right? Mm. We don't we don't do that. We just quietly go about extracting the fuel that powers the world, and we do it with every bit of dedication to this environment and just don't get the credit for it because that's not the type of organization we are. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but I think, I think that the reason why we're, you know, getting back to your point, you made a really good point. Why is it all of a sudden something that we're, that it's, it's a a popular uh, topic of conversation. And I think that's because the, uh, European Union sustainable finance disclosure regulation that went into effect in 2021 gave quote unquote legitimacy to the thoughts that that more conscientious global citizens have. So people that are very concerned about the environment, this was something that kind of said, hey, we all have to stand up and, and take notice of that. And so the European Union put those um, disclosure regulations in place back in 2021, and the rest of the world is, is starting to, to uh, pay attention. Okay. All right. So you're yep. talking about um, stakeholders earlier. So um, uh, yeah. what, what, what do you think they want? I think what they want is they want to know and understand that organizations are operating in a sustainable manner. Mm-hmm. And when I say sustainability, I don't mean sustainability just from an environmental perspective. Okay. I think that they want to know that there is a balance between sustainable sustainability from an environmental perspective, but also from an operating perspective. Okay. So think about it. An organization has to operate sustainably, sustainable so that it survives, yeah. right? So how do you operate sustainably and be good stewards of, of the environment and be good global citizens so that you are doing, behaving responsibly within the communities that you're operating in, that you're treating your employees fairly, and that you have the right governance models in place. So I I think that that's the basis of what they want. But then on top of that, they, so stakeholders really do want to know that the there are fair labor practices in place, that there's a move towards energy transition and mm-hmm. reducing greenhouse gas emissions, and that we are using our resources uh, in the most efficient manner possible. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Um, how does that touch governance? I'm still, I'm still trying to understand... Ah. Um, how we've talked so much about the environment and the social part, where does the governance come in? The governance is where we place responsibility for the organization's behavior squarely in the laps of the leadership. Okay. So your leadership needs to be 
taking the lead, hence the word <laughs> leadership. And and how do you do that? Yeah. You do that by making sure that their remuneration mm-hmm. is tied to ESG criteria. Okay. It makes sure that their behaviors are those that are not going to allow for evading taxes Mm. or doing anything that is corrupt or lobbying behaviors that might be considered bribery. Ah. And this is my favorite, diversity and inclusion. Ah, yes, yes. So that the leadership and boards of directors are representative of the global people yeah and not just you know one race and one gender <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yeah we actually what talked about that um back in uh, i guess this is last march um for international women's day yeah we, de- we definitely covered that um um so let's um hey what are um Carbon offsets versus <laughs> the carbon credits, because Mark LaCour and I have talked about this on oil and gas this week and how dumb they are, especially the credits. Yeah. And that's, um, it's, I, I know, I, I'm pretty sure I know where you're going. Okay. Because credits are basically permission slips. Right. It's a permission slip to go and pollute. <laughs> yeah. Right? What? They're, they're carbon. So so the, quite one of the questions that people ask all the time is, what's the difference between a carbon offset and a carbon credit? Let's see if we can make this as, as simple as possible. Carbon credits is are something that are bestowed upon you by a government. You yeah. can't just make up your own carbon credit. You can do something that you then go to the government and say, may I please be granted a credit for this? Right. But you, it's not, you can't just say, okay, I have carbon credits. So it is It is that permission slip, which seems a little silly. But, uh, and because you can also buy carbon credits. So what? I, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, you know, if I go to the government and I buy a credit, then I get my permission to go generate CO2 emissions, right? right? And so I think what, what uh, the government's trying to do is, is to say, okay, every organization has got to cut back. We know that you can't be 100% net zero, means no, ze- no emissions whatsoever. whatsoever. Right. That's just not possible. Right. But... We're going to give you some carbon credits that say, okay, we get it. We understand you kind of have to, you know, here's some permission to continue to do what we don't want anybody to do. <laughs> uh, and and it's it all going to make us feel really good. But it's, that's just, yeah. So it's, it's kind of silly, but that's just what it is. Now, carbon offsets, mm-hmm. carbon offsets are actually investments in environmental projects that reduce carbon emissions to compensate for a carbon footprint. Okay. So, so renewable projects. Okay. 
Um, Solar, wind, power, all that. Yeah, deforestation deforestation projects. So we're going to go build all these trees uh, somewhere. And that what trees do is they uh, pull carbon that would be in the air. They pull it out of the air. Oh. Right? So Uh that's why it's an offset. Gotcha. So it offsets that stuff offsets it takes it takes the place of something else that's producing the carbon uh emissions. But does what, that make sense? Yes, but what how does how do those um change the climate? Do we know yet? What like, do you mean? Well, how many birds are these windmill these you know, windmill is going to kill and just like, you know, stuff like that. I'm, I'm not trying to be controversial, but I have no. questions. And, and I mean, like, for instance, solar panels. What is that made of? Hydrocarbons. Yeah, we were just having a conversation. I was I, I was at a, a solar conference, the largest solar confle- conference um, in the United States. And we were just talking about how. In China, where the majority of solar panels are made, they had to bring online and and don't call in people and write in. No, and no hate mail. No hate mail if I get the number right. But there's they had to add something like eight uh, power generation facilities that were coal-based <gasps> just to provide enough electricity to power the manufacturing plants no way that are producing these solar panels so yeah it mm, so it, so, is, <laughs> so so let me ask you this is esg like a global thing or is that just something we do here in the united states oh no it's 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 global because it's start, so what's it's, up china <laughs> what's up yeah there's i i should be i should be better prepared for for with the statistics but uh, there's a statistic out there that that China creates more uh, greenhouse gas emissions, or 30 percent of the world's greenhouse gas emissions, just yeah. them alone. Mm-hmm. And then the the other, there's a lot of controversial uh, right topics in in this space. Let me give you an example where people are talking a, a lot about um, energy storage, mm. and we 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 will in a few weeks' time, have a fantastic interview with a gentleman from LG. Oh, cool. big, giant LG. Fantastic interview with LG. And LG has an energy storage systems uh, group. So uh, that will will be in a few weeks, folks, that are are listening. And the, the discussions that we've been having are around these energy storage systems. How do you take, so for the people that don't, uh, aren't aren't solar specialists? How do you make solar panels that energy available when there's no sun? Mm, right. Yeah. So you you store them in batteries, right? And the these lithium ion batteries, and there have been many stories in the news about the lithium ion ba- batteries catching fire, blowing up. So that's one controversy there. But this is what people aren't talking about. And with all of these electric vehicles. All of these batteries that are in these vehicle vehicles, what are we going to do when those batteries are no longer charged? Right when they when they're when they're how out to, of, how to dispose of them? How are we going to dispose them? How are we going to recycle them? And I'm actually going to have somebody come on and talk to oh. us about that as well. Oh, like, that's what, exciting! Yeah, yeah. From, can you say from where yet? Uh, not yet. Okay, all right, cool. not yet. But 
these are the types of things that we're talking about. We're we're creating a future environmental problem right. to address this environmental problem that we have today. So there's a lot of innovation going on in the marketplace. I don't mm-hmm. want to steal the thunder of the up, upcoming guests right. that we're going to have coming on, but um, it, that will be a topic that we discuss further. So you're actually touching on something that is also very top of mind with people, and that is the topic of greenwashing. Ooh, what's that? Greenwashing is organizations that are making claims that are either false or enthusiastic or uh, a whole lot of hope and not backed by a whole lot of fact. Interesting. It's creating a narrative, it sounds like. It's creating a narrative. So what's stopping me? Let's say that I am uh, Delphina Corporation, and I want everybody to think that I am really environmentally friendly. I'm a wonderful organization. These things are top of mind, that I have great governance, and we do a lot of uh, things in the community. Mm -hmm. Well, People can pretty much see whether or not we're doing something in a com- in the community. Uh, you could dig into our uh, uh, investment uh, documents okay. to say. I'm, I don't know why I can't think of, of <laughs> uh, think of the right word right now. But what if I say that we're we have a net zero goal? of to to be net we have a goal to be net zero by 2050 uh-huh that sounds How, like california man <laughs> it, yeah There's a lot of this going on in california i just came back um but i can put out there that oh yes we're going to be net zero by 2050 okay are are you going to follow me to see what am i am i saying you know what am i now and then a year i'm going to report again and it just sounds really good so there are there are companies out there making claims that they really can't back up but guess what what the sec's not going to put up with it <laughs> they have pretty much figured out that there's this greenwashing going on with a lot of claims that are will not be followed through upon. And they're just and pledges, they're basically. Just, yeah, and they're gonna they have it in the works to come after companies to say, "Oh yeah, you said you were gonna do this. Prove it." Neat. Yeah, I so can't wait to see that. Uh huh. Uh-huh. How many people? How many companies do you think are doing this? Do you have an idea? I don't. I do. I do not have an idea. But there's oh, oh, there's a lot. Oh, okay. There's a lot. All right. Um, so I think I read somewhere that there are actual scores in ESGs. <laughs> so um, I didn't yeah. quite understand that yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, an ESG score is they're doing this quite heavily in Europe right now. Okay. So. If if you want the most advanced information on this stuff, you're you're going to find it coming out of Europe because, like I said, in in 2021, they um, they moved forward with those those disclosure regulations. Um, but the scores, there are organizations 
that actually have devised a rating mechanism, a criteria, a mm-hmm. series of criteria in every one of the categories, environmental, social, and governance, and they evaluate how sustainably a company is conducting business. It's almost like a credit score. It's kind of like a credit score. Okay. Yeah, because in your credit score, you have, you know, how many, uh, how much debt you have, if you pay your bills on debt, time. Debt to income ratio, right. right? Exactly. How many inquiries have there been? There's a whole series of, but these these ESG scores are a lot more in depth. Right, okay. Than that. And so you, a, an organization mm-hmm. might hire a one of these rating agencies to come in and do an assessment and then publish their ESG score. And so I know your next question is going to be, um, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a topic called ESG investing. Okay. The investment community has basically said... Oh, no. Yes. Oh, that... Okay, that clicked. (laughs) Yep, yep. We want to know how conscientious an organization is, how responsible they are, and based on that, we're going to determine whether or not we invest. And so an ESG score is a way for investors and for companies to say this is how well we are doing okay makes sense right yeah i guess if i was an investor i'd probably want to know these things too yeah and not only that you asked the question about stakeholders what do stakeholders want yeah your investors your shareholders are not your only stakeholders your other stakeholders are the community around you which we did talk about but also other companies that you do business with. So if I am a manufacturer Mm -hmm. of, let's talk about our our solar panel manufacturer, right? Okay. Um, I am a manufacturer of solar panels. And let's also say another player in the space is the renewables, an energy renewables company that builds solar farms. Okay. That energy renewable company that builds solar farms is also very much concerned with the ESG uh, landscape. Okay. And they have to get their solar panels from China to wherever. Let's say they're putting them out in Sealy, Texas. Okay. And... They have to get those solar panels from China to the port of Shanghai, across the ocean, to the port of Houston, onto some trucks to get them to the job site. They are going to want to know that the transportation of those solar panels is being executed by companies that have good ESG uh, focus stewardship. I don't want to say scores because we don't actually have everybody having scores yet. Right. But that do have a sustainability platform that they're executing against. And we are also going to have, this is wonderful, we have uh, also coming on the show 
a company. They're called Solaris Global. Okay, which is interesting because I actually went. I like to drive around in my community and see what's going on and stuff. And it, uh, I live in Fort Bend County, Texas, and uh, I actually found a huge solar farm. So that was pretty exciting. Very cool. Yeah. Yes. It was cool to see it in person. Yes. Yeah. Instead of yeah. pictures on the internet, you know? Yeah. So. It, they're impressive, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> yes. I was just like, oh, I don't understand any of this. Right. This is this is pretty <laughs> neat. So so you actually touched on something else. It's a question that I get all the time. Uh-huh. And that is around scope. Oh. Okay. Have you heard have you heard stuff around scopes? What is a scope one, a scope two, scope three? Yeah, yeah, and a lot of different things, but it, n- not necessarily ESG, but uh, yeah. Okay, well, for, for ESG, we just actually touched upon it. There's scope one, there's different types of emissions. There's uh, scope one emissions, scope two emissions, and scope three emissions. Interesting, okay. Okay, so scope one, and we just talked about it a little bit, so let me get you there. Scope one are emissions that occur from sources that are controlled or owned by the organization itself. Okay, so directly from them. Okay. Directly from them. So like a refinery. Okay. All right. Or when we're doing flare, flaring, uh-huh. when we are uh, producing oil. So it's emissions associated with fuel combustion in boilers, furnaces, vehicles, whatever you as an organization are doing to cause those emissions, that's scope one. Okay. All right. Scope two is you're not causing it, but let's say you are using, you are purchasing electricity or steam or heat or cooling. You are purchasing your power from somewhere. They are creating emissions to be able to produce the power that you're going to use. Oh. That's scope two. So it's it's one degree so association moved away from you. Okay, so it's like... You know how you know seven steps to Kevin Bacon. There you go. Six, yeah, six degrees of Kevin <laughs> six Bacon. Six degrees. That's it. <laughs> and then scope three mm-hmm. is are the emissions that are a result of activities from assets that are not owned or controlled by you. So let's go back to the the solar farm developer uh-huh. that has to go and contract for those logistics. The logistics, the truck or the ship that are bringing those solar panels across the water or across land, they're e- they have emissions from those vehicles. That is scope three emissions. Okay. Make sense? Yeah, now I understand. <laughs> I definitely understand now. Getting 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 a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm just, Lots uh, to keep track of. Yeah. It's, I mean, like you said, you know, it's three different things and there's so much that goes into each one of them. I would understand now why you would hire someone to come in and and kind of make sure the company is doing this it's a it's a lot it, it is a lot but this is what i this is what i tell organizations there this is not there's there's a spectrum of reactions uh-huh that organizations have to topics like these to esg mm-hmm the first is, on the low end of the spectrum, is, oh my gosh, rules, regulations that I have to comply with, so compliance. What do I have to do? Well, that's my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> my background is regulatory compliance. There so. you go. Okay. So that's, how, that's probably, as someone who is 
uh, trained and a professional in regulatory compliance, the first thing that you would think about when you hear ESG protocols and scores and regulations is, oh my gosh, what do we have to do to not get in trouble? Oh, absolutely. Right? How do we clean this up? How do we clean this up? Don't keep me out of trouble. And companies wind up approaching this from a very ad hoc perspective. And I call it whack-a-mole. Oh, (laughs) I got to do this. Whack. I got to do that. Whack. So there's, and this is a cost center. What is it going to cost me? How do I stay ahead of it? So there's very much a compliance mindset, which is where most companies think about. Mm -hmm. Then the next progression up the, the thinking is, ooh, this could be a a risk management, a risk mitigation opportunity for us. Yeah. And a lot where companies start thinking about is, ah, if I am, if I provide a certain product or service, who of my customers are only going to want to buy from somebody that provides my type of product or service that does have a good ESG score or does have a, has a good uh, sustainability program, mm-hmm. right? So I'm going to make sure that I rid- mitigate my risks of anybody coming and saying, you know, we don't want to do business with you or we don't want to invest with you. Right. And how, how could this keep us out of trouble? And then all the way on the other end of the spectrum, which is where I really like to get people to start thinking, is how... Can I turn this into a competitive advantage? Ooh, good point. Hmm. And take it even one step further. How can I make money from this? Yeah. Because if it's a win-win, you're going to have far more success in advancing the topic of ESG when there's a win for everybody in place. So when I talk to people about this, I say... Forget about the compliance issue to begin with. How can your organization be more competitive because you have placed a focus on this? And investors know, they know that a company that is more conscientious, so the the, the term I like to use is the conscientious organization, the more conscientious an organization is, the more that they are focused not only on operational sustainability, but global sustainability, the better financial performance they have. It's been proven. So stop thinking about this as, you know, the whack-a-mole game that you've got to play and figure out how you, just as we did, Paige, remember back in the day when we first started talking about HSE? Yeah. HSE was like, oh, now it's in the fabric of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's within like, everything that we do. Like cotton. <laughs> cotton, <laughs> cotton, the fabric of our lives. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where's, where's Carly? Carly Wilson? Carrie Wilson? What's her name? The one? I think it's Carrie. Carrie? Carrie? Uh, whatever. We know who we're talking about. One of the Wilson sisters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one of Brian Williams' daughters. Yeah. Wilson's. So yeah. Um, it's it's within the fabric of our organization. Right. And so how do you actually go about doing it? And it's, it's a mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's my question. What um, what laws or regulations have they um, put in place? Here in the U.S.? Yeah. Well, so, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, all I really care about. 
No offense to anybody. but uh, and, and by the way, we are going to have, um, here's a heads up. We've talked about the adva- advancements that they've made in Europe. Uh-huh. We are going to have some guests from Norway. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Because the Norwegians are usually ahead of us yeah. in this sort of thinking. Yeah, yeah. And they just, I actually know some of, of the folks that have been spending a lot of time, energy, and effort right out of NTNU. Uh, and, and it's the work that they're doing is brilliant. So they're going to be, we're going to have some folks on our show. Awesome. Both representing from both industry and academia uh, coming coming from there. But um, here in the U.S., what we just recently saw was what is on everybody's mind right now is the Inflation Reduction Act uh, of 2022. I just gagged a little. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's here. I know. Uh, and so there's $369 billion was earmarked for clean energy and climate change mitigation initiatives. Um, and yeah, there's we're seeing an unprecedented level of support from the federal government for the transition to sustainable energy. Mm -hmm. And I would just like to be very clear that even if we gathered up all, whether it was greenwashing or not, if we gathered up all the commitment, Mm -hmm. all the commitments that have been made around the world to net zero and reducing emissions between now and 2050, we still will only make potentially a 50% indent in the use of fossil fuels. Wow. Fossil fuels, is it's not going away. Right. So all the doomsdayers saying, oh, the oil industry is going... No. 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 Wishful thinking on your part. Yeah. But no. Do you like all of your nice things? (laughs) You know? (laughs) We're all going to wear hemp clothing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, look at your your iPhone. Look at your cell phone. Look at, you know, all those things that uh, you need hydrocarbons to in order to create. So. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I'll share one more with you. Oh. Yes. This is this is not a. This is this is not a bashing show. It's supposed to be an educational show and an I, engaging I know. show and an energizing show, but it get it gets a little bit get a little bit excited. But uh, there was we were looking at some statistics last week because California just announced that uh, they're going to eliminate the sale of gas cars, gas right? cars, right, and that they. Um, they're going to force everybody to drive electric vehicles. And somebody went and calculated that if they went and did that, they still, the, the amount of power that the grids put out in, the grid puts out in California will still only be able to account for 30% of the power needed. <laughs> so what are you going to do? Oh my gosh. Uh, what are you going to do? Yeah. So yeah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So these while see, they're having brownouts, right? Well, they're, they're having brownouts. They're going to force everybody. And here's the other thing: a buddy of mine rented uh, a Tesla. Mm. And see, I don't, I don't own a Tesla. Right. I've never rented a Tesla. I have nothing against Tesla. Like oh they're, they're no, beautiful I, I would vehicles. love to. I would love uh, anything that self drives, especially in this Houston traffic. <laughs> Um, especially when it's stop and go. Um, and, uh, my boyfriend said that he's driven one. He absolutely loved it. It's just heavy. Yeah. They're beautiful. They're beautiful vehicles. Absolutely. But, uh, a buddy of mine rented a, a Tesla and picked it up and the darn thing was 
needing in bad need of a charge. Uh-huh. So he immediately found a charging station. Now this is in the middle of Anaheim, California. So oh. we're talking California. They're big on electric vehicles. This is the place where you should be able to find where to charge. So he located a charging station and the line, the line for the charging station was down the street and around the block. He accidentally cut in front of the line because he came into the back entrance uh-huh. and didn't realize people were waiting. And he waited a couple of minutes and then he pulled up into the spot. It took him 50 minutes, five, zero minutes to charge the vehicle And then he looked down and saw the line of cars waiting to charge. Let's start doing the math. Charge the whole thing, like to 100%? Yes. It took him 50 minutes to charge it to 100%. And he's looking down, all of these people waiting in line. Visions of the 1970s gasoline lines. Remember those? Yeah. Okay, you weren't alive. I was. (laughs) No, but I remember reading up about it. You you read about it, right? Yeah. But, I mean, it's part of our our history. I was alive. I remember it. (laughs) It was horrible. It was horrible. And the visions of that. And so we've got a lot, we've got a lot of challenges to work out. But the bottom line is this. We're headed in the right direction. The oil industry has always always been tremendous stewards of the environment tremendous dedication well, when, to communities yeah when 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 we don't do things right people die exactly thank you and 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 why would we want our people to die we need them yeah we love them we yes. we we hired them you know um that just yeah and when we do mess up, we take responsibility for it. Oh, absolutely. So. Well, at least, well, most of us do. <laughs> I don't know how many times, you, how many times have you heard of a, a Russian or a uh, Chinese oil spill? Yeah, you, they don't get the attention. Yeah. <laughs> happens, right? Yeah, but, but God forbid the United States does anything. Right, right. But the bottom line is this is that this has always been an important topic for us. Right. I very much am looking forward to educating, engaging, and energizing people around this topic because we in the oil and gas industry really truly are dedicated to this topic because we always have been. We just haven't been vocal about it. And here's our opportunity. And I am going to be welcoming... Uh, people from many different aspects uh, of the topic. I'm going to be highlighting some really exciting things that are happening out there, innovative things that are happening, and we're just going to have a good time with this. Good, good. I'm excited for you, and welcome to the OGGN family. You and I have been friends for uh, five years, At six least. years. Um, actually, Delphina has been on my show, Oil and Gas Industry Leader, so if you want to learn more about her story, come check that out. Um, and I'm sure Audrey will put something in the show notes about that. Wonderful. Well, Paige, thank you so much for helping me, uh, with this first episode that gets us lined up and excited for the rest of the episodes to come. Yeah. And thank you for taking the time to teach me about all this stuff. It's a, it's, it's a whole thing. (laughs) We we could go on for hours on this topic. Right. Right. Well, that's why it's a whole show. (laughs) Well, thanks Paige. All right. 
Join us again next week on the ESG Energized Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.